everyone, and welcome to the Battle to Be Trauma Transformation Podcast. And my name is Krista Fee, and I'll be your host tonight. And I have with me an amazing, amazing person that I can't wait to introduce to you. And we have had the privilege of having a couple conversations, and I could talk with this person for hours. So I want to introduce to you a phenomenal artist and someone who is making waves, bringing awareness and attention to PTSD for all of our military, our police, our firefighters, and all of our first responders. And he doesn't leave anyone out. And please welcome Daniel Sundahl. Great. Thanks, Krista. Thanks for having me on your show. You are one of my favorite people already. I, I already know. <laughs> Is it the shirt? Is it because it's, of the shirt I, I'm wearing? And I yeah. love the shirt too. <laughs> my be kind shirt, just to remind everybody just to be kind. And all it takes is a few seconds mm -hmm. to smile or yeah. say something nice. Yeah, I get a lot of reactions when I wear this shirt out in public. I have another one that has the chemistry uh, for be nice. I can't remember what's B-E and then N-I and whatever, C-E or whatever whatever they are. But uh, and not everyone gets it, but if it says be nice. So I wear that. And some people get it and some people don't. But uh, I get a ton of comments on that shirt and this shirt when I wear it outside. Anything great. to make people, people smile. I know, right? <laughs> I know. So I always start the show by asking the most basic of questions because we all like to talk about what we do and we all like to talk about the labels that we have. Mm -hmm. But who are you as a person? Uh, all right. Well, my uh, my real name is Daniel Sundahl. So I take the first three letters of my first and last name to get my my artist name. And I'm a paramedic firefighter. I've been a full-time paramedic firefighter for since 2003. I live in Canada and Alberta near the Rockies. And um, yeah, I create artwork to help purge. And it's my therapy to fend off the bad memories I have and the effects of the job that I have. And I he do. has cute dogs. <laughs> yeah, I've got two bulldogs. Uh, they're related. One's a mom and one's the pup. And uh, we have a 17-year-old Shih Tzu Poodle that's like just fur and skin and scabs and he's deaf and blind and but he's still very loyal even though he can't see or hear or do anything. But uh, yeah, so we have three dogs, married, three stepkids. No, everything's good. I always think it's really funny. First responders have a tendency to have pets that are children. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So all our, all our kids are out of the house now. So yeah, it's just me and my wife and our three dogs, which is, uh, which is great. And then I the think kids it's a compassion thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, well for me, like the dogs are therapy too. They're our, our bulldog, our, our new bulldog. She's a therapy dog. She can sense if someone is not feeling good and then you, she just won't leave you alone. She'll be all over you, which is, which is great. More so than their other two dogs. She has a really good sense of how people are feeling, which is wonderful. I think it's a bully breed thing. I have a I have a boxer that is the same way. Mm -hmm. and yeah, they're like little people. They have tons of personality. Super. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. of course, let's get to the, the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. I mentioned that you're an artist. Yes. What, what kind of art do you do? 
So I create uh, digital art. I don't, I really don't know. People ask me that and I'm not a traditional artist where I put paint onto canvas and I'm not a traditional photographer. So photographers don't give me credit because I, I edit photos and manipulate the photos so much that sometimes they don't even resemble the original photos that I take. And then I don't get really credit from the art community because I'm not a traditional paint on canvas. I'm not a real artist. So I'm kind of in the middle of, of that's why I say it's call it photo art or it's like digital art or it's, it's this um, new, well, I guess it's not a new medium, but it's, it's how I create my and express my feelings and how I create my artwork, which is very personal to me. And I use that to purge the garbage that I acquire in my head. And so it's very personal and that's how I do it. And I'm just lucky that my peers connect to it uh, through their own experiences. I've been really blessed that way. Well, in each piece of your art, you make it sound so simple when you say <laughs> that it's photo manipulation. There's an entire process that goes into from conceptualization to the fulfillment and then the final product. Walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, and that's how I, I how I judge a picture when I'm done uh, is based on the image that pops into my head versus what I actually end up with. So it starts with an experience or an emotion that I've had as an emergency worker. Uh, and I kind of meditate on that feeling and an image will pop inside my head. So that image will pop in my head, which will represent that complex idea. And then I stage that photo using my peers that are real emergency workers and I photograph it. And then I digitally draw on top of the photograph. And while I'm doing that, I try to recreate more so what I felt versus what I saw. Uh, and it takes a, a week or so to do that. Uh, so there's a lot of emotion in that. And that's where I add, you know, the ghosts and the devils. And I use the the demons for trauma and angels for recovery. And, and I'll put the spirits of patients in there. Uh, and that's when I do that, uh, when, I, when I digitally draw and paint on top of the photograph. And then when I'm done... As if it matches that initial idea that I had in my head that popped in that image that popped in my head, then that's that's a successful art piece. Sometimes it's not very successful, and other times it is very successful to me, anyways. But I'll I share them anyways, and sometimes they really hit home with my peers because of their experiences. Um, and a lot of times I don't like to share the motivation behind something because I don't want to. Um, Know, devalue someone else's interpretation of it based on on what they've experienced in their work because just because i created it doesn't mean it's more authentic it doesn't mean it's more more real or more valid uh because i created it based on my emotions it doesn't matter i don't think our work works that way it's individual i think i think that's why i connected with you so hard i'm going to tell you guys just a little bit i ran into his artwork accidentally. And um, and I have a background in emergency room tech and my husband is a retired firefighter. And both of us have done a lot of rescue work. So accident scenes, post-accident and that kind of stuff. So I was just perusing the internet and I just, in a, in a search that had nothing to do with artwork or anything like that, one of 
Daniel's images popped up. And it took me literally like it was a physical jolt. The, the image literally sent me to an experience, to a memory. And it was such a visceral moment. It was literally the emotions and the thoughts and the feelings that were happening. But it was also the, the memory was really vibrant too. And I don't want to say triggered because it wasn't a negative experience. It was just so grounded in the reality of uh, that particular moment and just how intense and how uh, intense is the perfect word, just how intense that moment was. And it was all captured in this one image. And the more that I stared at this picture, the more layers became clear. And your artwork is really intimate and really detailed. And I think people who see it for the first time will miss a lot of the different subtleties and the layers and the details that are hidden in there. Yeah. And a lot of that, those details completely change the idea of the picture. Um, you know, there are some pictures where you first look at it and, and it may appear to be like a sad image. Uh, and then you'll see this other detail that you may not have seen the first three or four times you, you looked at it uh, and you might see a hidden angel or a hidden demon in there that's being defeated and that really changes the whole idea of the picture um so yeah a lot of people say that that they're always looking for things and i don't hide things in, in all the pictures that i do but um yeah i try to make them as accurate as i can i try to be as 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 vulnerable as i can and and authentic to my own experiences because then if I'm authentic to my own experiences as a paramedic and firefighter, then I know that my peers will connect with them. And that's not even why I create the artwork. I create it for myself and for my own, like the concept art by art, I say. So the kind of the weird stuff that I create, it's based on my own experiences. And that's part of my healing process. That's part of my therapy. So I have to be authentic to myself. Um, so I can't think, what are people going to think about this? Is this over the top? Or, you know, is this too much gore? Or is this, I can't censor it because then it's, I'm not, authentic to myself. And then that healing process isn't going to happen. I'm not going to purge that from my mind if I censor it in any way. So often when I create a new art piece and I share it, I'm a bit worried. I'm like, Oh, what are people going to think of this one? They're going to, this one's really out there. What are they going to, what are they going to think? Um, and some people do not react well <laughs> and other people do, but I think for artwork, any artwork, I think if you look at it and you get that gut punch, when you look at it, uh, and that gut punch may be really bad. Like you may look at it and just viscerally hate it. Like you be like, Oh, I hate that picture so much. I don't know why that's good artwork. Again, that's not why I create it, create it. But if it has an effect on you, like that image that you were talking about, you know, that really affected you, but other people may look at it and have no effect on them whatsoever. So it's really in the eye of the beholder that's looking at the artwork. And if it can cause some type of, emotional response then i think that's like the artists that i really like and enjoy uh that's what they do for me i look at them and i get an emotional response from them and it tells a story it says something um that that's what i think is is good artwork i absolutely agree that is in my mind that's the definition of art if it makes you feel something mm -hmm. that is art even if you hate it, it doesn't have to be <laughs> right? Right. No one says you have to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. No, I absolutely couldn't be 
couldn't be more in agreement that 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 is an important aspect that the artist should feel something and mm-hmm. you want the viewer to feel something as well and if the artist feels something usually that is transferred in a, at least in some way to the viewer so that authenticity is critical it's critical yeah it has to be that way so i can't and i get a lot of criticism about the artwork that i do um you know people think it's too graphic they think it's you know it's gratuitous i add stuff just to for to sensationalize it and i, and I don't you know, i none of it is real photography like none of it is actual photos of actual calls they're all staged and any trauma that's in there i photoshop it in there so when people think it's real i take it as a compliment because they they must think it's an actual photo but I don't add extra stuff. That's what I actually saw. That's what we see. Um, so I don't, I don't censor that. My mom doesn't like my artwork. I create a new art piece and she's like, damn, why is it so gross? Why is there so much? I don't understand, but that's totally fine. She doesn't get it. It's not for her, but she has a response to it. So it's, it's good artwork. And initially I was really surprised that people even enjoyed my artwork or even connected to it. I was worried when I first started doing this back in, 2014, 2015, that uh, my peers would, I thought for sure they would not accept it at all because you know, the first couple of pictures that I did were you know, showing his paramedic firefighter being very vulnerable with his gloved hands on his head, which is disgusting. And, um, you know, I was really worried to share that because I didn't think people would really connect to it. But to my surprise, my peers really did. And it's changed my life really. I think most of us have had that moment though. I mean, literally like it's, it's a moment that happens in, in that industry when you have a loss, when you lose a patient, when you feel like you could have done more and you, you couldn't, I I completely resonate with that. (laughs) Yeah. But But, but back then we didn't really even talk about that stuff. Like we never, it wasn't as people weren't as vocal about it back in, in 2014 as they are, as they are today. So I was really worried that, you know, I'd be really crucified, which is fine. It wouldn't matter because I would just keep con- creating the artwork, but just not share with anybody. Uh, but yeah, the exact opposite happened. And I'm so because of that, I, one of my, uh, my leading or my goals or my, my values is to be vulnerable and be authentic. I have to remain that way <clears throat> to, uh, to continue to be a successful artist. And I think most artists are that way. I think it's a good way to, to start. Well, and you open the door for conversation. You open the door for understanding. When people see what the industry, for lack of a better word, when people see what first responders go through, when people see what the police officers go through, when they have even just a moment of that physical reaction, of that emotional response, it gives them just a slight little crack of light to connect with someone who is suffering from PTSD or some variation of a trauma spectrum injury that, you know, is having rage moments, is having ups and down days and, you know, all of the different symptoms that people don't want to deal with, that people don't understand to see what is seen, to see what causes that, to see that life just in an instant will open at least the door for conversation, if not a little bit of understanding. 
And I think that is the most valuable thing outside of your own healing that's coming from this brave artwork. Yeah, I think what's even healed me just as much as creating that work for myself is recognizing or being aware that so many other people, uh, so many other emergency workers connect to the artwork through similar experiences, which makes me feel that I'm not alone. And that concept or that idea of knowing that you're not alone, you know, I'll post a picture and it gets shared a million times and, you know, there's thousands of comments on it. Uh, and I'll read those comments and I'll see like, yeah, you know, this, this, I'm not alone in how I'm feeling. I'm not alone in, in why I decided to create this artwork. It's very common amongst many of us. And that's really healing. Like that's very uh, powerful. And I, and that's powerful for me to know that my peers connect to my artwork because that tells me that they have similar experiences and similar feelings and are responding in similar ways, which means I'm not as crazy as I maybe think I am, or maybe it's more normal that I'm behaving this way or thinking this way. Right. So that's, yeah, that's very powerful, powerful for me. And you touched on a lot of, a lot of the people that I work with, the, the primary need that, that people with PTSD have is to be, to be seen, to be heard and to be understood. And that's really the basic need we all have, but your art allows that for you. It allows you to be seen, to be heard and to be understood. And, it also opens doorways for other people. Mm -hmm. I think yeah, I'm very lucky. I'm very, I play the guitar too, but I'm not very good. So people don't ask me, they'll interview me on their podcast show because of my guitar playing, but it doesn't matter. It's still very healing for me. So I play my guitar every day because it's therapy for me. Um, and yeah, and even, and even right now, you know, I talk about post-traumatic growth and, you know, I lecture on, on, you know, getting healing and getting recovery and then becoming better than you were you know, that Phoenix rising. But the reality is, is that I'm up and down. And right now I'm, I'm relapsing. So I've had these other symptoms come back in that I recognized. Uh, so I'm going back into treatment. And, and right now I'm, I'm, I'm not doing good, to be honest. Uh, but I recognize what, what happened to me and I'm getting the help that I need. Uh, so today I had a, I had a complete uh, comprehensive uh, psychiatric evaluation assessment which was all day for those of you that have had that, then you know what I mean? It's a, an entire, entire eight hour day of, of questions about, you know, suicide and, you know, anger and my relationships with other people. And um, so that they can kind of reassess uh, by my diagnosis, which was originally done in 2014. But um, yeah, so it's, that's part of the process too, though, is, is recognizing what's happening and knowing that, you know, you're going to have good days and bad days. And when you have bad days, it's okay. Do what you have to do to, to get better instead of just hoping that, you know, tomorrow's going to be a better day. Tomorrow's going to be a better day and, and putting yourself at risk. You know, in my case, putting my patients at risk, putting my coworkers at risk. I can't, you know, that's not responsible for me to do that. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I went back in and getting the help that I need and, getting reassessed and just to see if my uh, diagnosis has changed. But, um, but yeah, I'm a little bit messed up, but that's okay. Cause I'm, I'm doing something about it and I'm getting the treatment that I need and the help that I need. And, and sometimes that happens. So even though I talk and lecture about post-traumatic growth and people think that I'm a, this mental health superhero, uh, no, no, 
well, that's not how it works. That does, doesn't, it doesn't, once you do the work, it doesn't mean you're, you're the superhero all the time. It's you have good days and bad days, but do what you have to do to get better again. And I'm hundred percent confident that I'm going to get better again. Cause I've done it before, but uh, yeah, this weird stuff, these weird symptoms started sneaking in symptoms that I've never had before. Uh, like really weird uh, memory loss things and really weird, um, uh, feelings of disassociation where I'd wake up and I'd feel like I was a visitor of my own body where I'd feel like, and this is happening not at this moment, but currently, and you know, a few days, uh, kind of some days are better than others, but I'll recognize, I'll recognize my environment, but it won't be familiar to me. So it's like I'm visiting and that's never happened before. That didn't happen to me when I first got diagnosed, but since I first got diagnosed, I've worked another eight years and, on the Amazon fire truck. So this trauma kind of, I describe it as like a, as a tooth where the enamel gets worn away. Right. And then you just have this exposed nerve and the more exposed I feel I am, then I'm the more susceptible I am to these, to these other symptoms that I have that are, I've never had before. And I'm going to include these symptoms in my lecture when I talk about it. Uh, Cause it's important for me that, that I'm open about it and I share it and I'm vulnerable and I'm authentic that, Hey, this is what's happening to me. You know, I'm, uh, you know, stuff is, stuff is going on and I'm experiencing these new weird symptoms, which are really freaked me out and I recognize them and I'm getting the help that I need. And that's another important thing for everyone who's listening to, to be aware of and to understand that healing is not a linear process. It is full of twists and turns Sometimes you're going backwards, sometimes you're going forwards. And there are times along the healing pathway, along the healing journey, when you might feel worse than you did in the beginning. And in cases where trauma is just compounding, you never get it. You can't heal from trauma when you're still experiencing trauma. So ultimately you're learning coping strategies, you're learning resilience strategies, you're learning how to get some of the pressure and some of the, the, the stuff on the surface, but you're never able to get fully to the root of everything and really heal yourself until you are finally no longer experiencing all of these traumas day in and day out. So. And I, and I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I don't know what the, like after this assessment, it's going to go in and then they're going to come up with some treatment plans. And I don't know what the outcome is going to be. You know, I hope I can get better and, and get back to work, but uh, who knows? You know, I don't know. But regardless, I'm going to be doing artwork. This is, this is just giving me more material for my artwork really. <laughs> so it's, it's totally fine, but I'm, I'm, I recognize it and I, you know, I'm, I'm doing something about it. That's the important thing. And I, and that's something I learned that first part when I, recognized and I rewired my brain and I, I did feel that I'm I still feel I'm in post-traumatic growth phase even now because I'm recognizing recognizing this as something I need to do and that's something I may not have recognized before and I would have just stayed at work and suffered until something maybe would have happened to myself or someone else or so yeah so I think it's really important to recognize these things and and do what you have to do to get better Right. And you would tell people, obviously, because you just did, <laughs> that if they're suffering from these symptoms, to reach out, to yeah. seek out help. Don't try to do it yourself. Don't wait. No, it's really hard. And I've done artwork about that where it's, you know, sometimes you lose 
when, when I, when this first happened to me in 2014, uh, I didn't have the capacity to even understand what was going on. And I was suicidal then I had a death plan and I didn't, I thought that was normal, right? I would go to work and be a, still be an effective paramedic and firefighter, uh, and then have a death plan because, and I, I didn't recognize that that was wrong because I didn't have the capacity to, to recognize that there was something wrong that I was, I needed help. So how am I supposed to help myself if I don't know that I'm even injured, right? I've done lots of art pieces on that. And uh, cause yeah, that's really scary. Uh, a lot of places are, they'll say, well, damn, we, we have all these uh, mental health support programs for people that, you know, if they feel that they have these things, they can reach out. I'm like, well, they may not even know that they're injured. So how, and I, and I kind of relate it to, uh, to fishing where you can't go fishing and expect the fish to jump in the boat. You know, you need to look for signs and fish for them. And it's no different than looking for signs and symptoms of people that may be suffering that they don't even know they're in trouble. And there's lots of signs and symptoms out there that you can recognize. And uh, you even, you know, you can track certain calls that people have done. And, you know, if there's a paramedic or police officer in emergency work that's done, let's say, you know, three pediatric suicides in a month or a, a couple of weeks, then, you know, that should be tracked and that should raise red flags. And someone should reach out and say, Hey, we recognize that we see that you've done some pretty hairy calls lately. We're just checking in to see how you're doing. Right. And then that may be what that person needs to kind of diffuse and debrief that situation. Otherwise they may not, nothing may happen. It may just fester and grow. But so there are things that you can do. Um, but yeah, you, for me, it was the longest time. I just thought I would, the next day would be better. Right. I just, I would, yeah, I feel horrible today, but tomorrow will be better. Tomorrow will be better. Tomorrow will be better. And it never was. Uh, it's like, yeah, your butt, you have a busted leg. Yeah, tomorrow the leg will be better. No, it's just going to get infected and get worse until you lose your leg. So it's, you need to get help. Someone needs to, you need to recognize to ask for help or someone needs to reach in there and grab you out. In my case and lots of other cases, because since then I've talked to thousands of my peers and we've all had similar situations and similar experiences. Very common. Yeah, this is, this is the story I hear too. So mm -hmm. that you don't know you need help until you know you need help. Yeah. And something has to happen to bring to the forefront that you need help. So it's usually a partner or work or somebody else who says you need help or you're not coming back to work or you need help or I'm walking out of this house. Somebody else has to shake it loose before people realize that what they're experiencing yeah. isn't just normal. Yeah. And, un and unfortunately, if that doesn't happen, you know, we hear about our brothers and sisters who take their lives and we're shocked and surprised. You know, we had no idea that they were suffering or we had no idea that they were hurting uh, because they, we get so good at faking it. You know, it's the false okay, where we pretend that everything is okay and we and people don't know until it's too late. And that, God, it happens all the time. I, I, always you're always hearing of, of emergency workers who take their lives it's it's still happening all the time right and a lot of times people aren't totally unaware that they were even suffering it's terrible yeah. well that is definitely part of the mission well mm -hmm. obviously mine and yours um and you're yeah. you're doing you're doing public speaking also mm -hmm. now to to bring more awareness and to educate yeah. Yeah, which is kind of really weird. 
in my current state of mind <laughs> to be, but I'm not, I'm not telling people, I'm not proclaiming to be a mental health guru. I'm not, I'm, my message is that I'm authentic and I, I'm just share, I'm not a mental health professional. I'm not a therapist. Uh, but what I do is I just share my experiences and I share what I do to, for my therapy to get better. Uh, hoping that maybe my peers will recognize maybe some of the symptoms I have uh, in themselves and do something similar, at least get assessed and get the help that they need. So yeah, so for me, whether I'm feeling that I'm a, a mental health superhero or if I feel like I'm struggling, um, I'm still gonna share my story. and I'm still gonna speak about it. And based on how I'm feeling at that time, I'm gonna share what's going on. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend that everything is okay right now because it's not. I'm my chemistry in my brain is a little bit messed up right now. So, um, but that that happens. That's what happens. So it's okay, and I'm getting the help that I need. So it's I do public speak on post traumatic growth, which is weird, but I still consider even the situation I'm in now to be post traumatic growth because I I'm talking about it and I'm recognizing it and. I don't think I would have done that if I didn't have that experience before. Right. You're taking steps. And as long as you're taking steps, you're on that healing pathway. You're on that healing journey. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always feel good. I've been on before. Yeah. It's a path I've been on before. So it's not, it's not new to me. Uh, My symptoms are new. And that was what's really kind of surprised me is that I had these new symptoms arise and which kind of freaked me out. But, um, but the process and the journey is not, not new for me. I've been here before. And if you don't mind my asking, and you mm-hmm. can definitely say that you're not comfortable saying, saying what steps you take, um, what, what resources do you typically go for? What has helped you? Uh, well, we have, uh, well, I don't know. Cause I just had my CPA today, my complete comprehensive psychiatric evaluation or assessment today. So based on what the psychologist found when he did a deep dive in my brain, they're going to come up with, with a treatment plan, but it's probably going to be EMDR. It's probably good. There's lots of different uh, treatments, even more and more coming out every day um, that they're going to decide on what's going to be best for me. And whatever they say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it. Uh, I've done EMDR before and it worked really good. Uh, sometimes um, there has been a couple of sessions where it really triggered me and I didn't like it. Cause I kind of really have to relive stuff. So there's, you know, there's art, uh, art therapy now, not like, like art, art, it's, uh, accelerated. I can't remember what it's called, accelerated reintegration therapy or something, but, uh, it's a bit less triggering, but there's lots of different modalities. And we have a, we have a program up here in Canada where, uh, there's a traumatic psychological injury program that, that they may suggest I go in, which I'll be happy to do. Uh, so my my treatment plan hasn't been decided yet. It was going to be ba- based on this. So, but however, uh, I recognized those signs, uh, and I went and did the paperwork and got the help and the assessment that I need. Right, so I'm on the right path to recovery, versus just hoping that tomorrow's going to be a better day. So I don't know what my treatment plan is going to be yet. But, but you um, said you've done EMDR before. That is yeah. one of the, the most common go-tos here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Also, it's it's considered one of the most successful. Um, yeah. I feel like your art, I feel like art, creative expression, 
creative expression that focuses you into a memory and allows you to reintegrate the emotions and the feelings that are associated with that memory. I feel like it almost mimics that EMDR process mm-hmm. in a natural accidental kind of way. Yeah, I think it does. And uh, I'm also able to, to change my memories about it. And that's what uh, I wish I could remember what the ART stands for. Should have done some prep for this, but um that's I'm able to alter my memories of certain calls that I've done through the artwork. So instead of certain visions popping into my head because of the calls I've been on, once I'm completed the artwork, uh that was those images don't pop in my head anymore. And I remember when I recall that event, I recall the artwork that I did instead. Uh, because I essentially transfer that into that art piece. And I spent I put so much energy an emotion into that art piece while thinking about that call, that's what I related to now. And I can make that image anything I want, right? So it doesn't have to be, you know, what I actually saw. I can change it into something a bit more, uh, I can alter my memory of it to the way I want, which is, like I said, I'm not a therapist, but I think I feel like I walked into a big vein of gold when I figured out I could do this for myself because it's been super healing for me. Absolutely. And that's the magic of brain science, that trick yeah. with with your memories, with your hippocampus and that storage. You literally can't tell the difference between your real experiences, your memories and imagined experiences and memories. So you can visualize and your brain doesn't know the difference. So you you hit on that you actually have the ability and we know this scientifically, you have the ability to change your memories. Mm-hmm. And by changing your memories, you're changing your emotional attachment and your emotional response to those memories. So you can literally go back and erase the trauma for yourself. Yeah. So it, it's a I magical just, process. And I just happened to stumble on that with the artwork by accident. So I'm really lucky. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's other, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with, cause I'm experiencing symptoms I've never had before. So I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be doing, doing new things or, but yeah, there's lots of different things that, still like gangula blocks and you know ketamine therapy and havening havening is a new fairly new thing that's happening and yeah there's lots of different um uh different treatments coming out more and more all the time which i think is great i think the more options that we have the the better so i think choice is a huge huge part Mm -hmm. of the equation because there's so many people who are afraid to seek help to seek therapy And they may not necessarily like working with a therapist per se. So having, you know, a list of there's 20 different ways you can approach this. What works for you? What feels most comfortable to you? What fits your lifestyle? Making it more of something that people have control over to some extent when they feel like they have no control is a valuable, valuable part of the puzzle. So, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think everyone's everyone has their own, you know, some people love hor- equine therapies is their magic pill that that's connecting to a horse. That's their therapy. And that's what really does it for them. Um, you know, so we each have to find what what that is for us that really fixes us. And it's different for everybody. You know, not everyone likes black coffee. Some people want like a extra large triple mocha latte with extra sprinkles <laughs> on it. Right. That's that's their that's what makes them feel better uh but it's just 
mental trauma stuff, it's not as obvious. Like I don't even know what's going to help me this time. And so I'm, and I don't, I don't know. So I'm, I'm wanting the experts to tell me what they think based on what they found when they went inside my brain today, what's going to, what they feel is going to be beneficial for me. And I'm going to do whatever they say. So we'll see what, we'll see what happens. Going into it with acceptance and curiosity. That's the thing you can do. I think I'm, I'm familiar with a lot of these different treatments, but a lot of them I haven't done. So I'm kind of hoping I'm going to be able to try some something new and because for, I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to, because my whole thing is being authentic and vulnerable. But for me, cognitive behavioral therapy really isn't my thing. And I've done a lot of it. I, I, I go through all of my, my, my benefits every year seeing a psychologist, psychiatrist, but, uh, and nothing against cognitive behavior therapies that saved, it's saved lives. But, um, you know, for me, you know, speaking for an hour and then, you know, spending three sessions with somebody just barely getting in and, um, you know, them just repeating back to me what I told them doesn't really work for me. So I need, I need some other things to work and that's just me. So again, I'm not, I have some psychologist friends that are, that I know have saved lives. Uh, but for me, it's just not my, or maybe we just haven't connected with the right therapist yet. But uh, um, I shouldn't say that. I hope my psychologist, my current psychologist doesn't see this because I just <laughs> basically called him up. But no, he's really good. And yeah, actually, I do connect with him. Um, but uh, yeah, you have to find out what, what that is that really works for you, that makes you feel better. And if you tried something that doesn't work, just try something else. Try a new thing. Because there's tons of things. Tons of things that are out there. And unfortunately, I know a lot of organizations, they only condone, you know, one or two of them where, you know, all you're going to do is, you know, you have to see this therapy. You need to see the department therapist. That's all we're going to approve you for. Um, You know, they're they're not, most places aren't really big on, yeah, we're going to get you high on LSD and then we're going to do some guided therapy while you're, you know, you're high on acid, you know, that, most places aren't going to condone that. But for some people, and I know some people, that is what seriously helped it work for them. So you're left to find what what wangs your chung, so to speak. It's an old reference from the 80s. but I'm an 80s kid, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I think we are running out of time here. but Wow. Our- Chris, every time I talk to you, the time just goes by. It's like there's time levels and speed. <laughs> but I, know, so. I do want to get to this new piece of art that you just did, your recent one, your recent release, um, Into the Darkness. Yes. Tell us about this piece and tell us why yeah. it's. Yeah, so this one I did last week, and it's um, it's if you first look at it, it just looks like a black. It's great. And when I posted it, it didn't really get that much traffic because I think people saw it and thought, oh, Dan made a mistake. He didn't post anything. But if you look really, and if the if your brightness on your phone or your computer is turned too low, it will be completely black. But when it's properly exposed, you can see this really slight outline of a firefighter's nose. There's no color, but it's black and you can barely see this firefighter's nose and his eyes. And when I wrote in it, it says, sometimes you have to turn up your brightness uh, to get the help that you need, right? So for those that saw that, if you take that picture 
and it's on my Facebook page and it's on my, my uh, danceofphotos.com page. If you have it up on your phone and increase the brightness on your phone, then this image of this firefighter comes up and he looks very sad and he's got a helmet and his helmet says, help me. Right. So it's in the darkness where, you know, if you see it where you just see barely see his eyes and his nose, uh, that's really the motivation for that one was really to kind of show what it's like to be, you know, deep in your trauma, you're surrounded, you're being, it's like quicksand where you're really deep and surrounded by all this void of blackness, that there's nothing there. And people that that were there when they looked at that picture uh, and they saw it, I got emails from people saying, Hey, Dan, this really triggered me, this picture, because this is exactly how I'm feeling. Um, but it was, and God, I certainly don't want to trigger people with my artwork, but it really connected to them. And, you know, some people took that image and they increased the brightness and they posted it in the comments to really show what, what the image was like when you do turn up the brightness where you can see that this firefighter needs help or the message is, is if, if you need help, uh, you know, sometimes you need to turn up your brightness sometimes so that people can see, can recognize you to so you can get the help that you need. The whole, the message is to reach out and get help. It's, it's just a super weird way to, to a represent what it feels like to be in your darkness. Cause it's a really creepy picture. If you haven't, if you look at it, it's really spooky. Once you see the guy in it, um, it's quite spooky. And when you open it up and realize that his helmet says, help me, it's even more, I don't say it's creepy, but it's, it's a strong message. So that, you know, when I create artwork and I'm trying to, trying to portray a, a complex idea that I have, the more accurate that I can be in that final image to represent that idea, the more successful I think that image is. And that one for me is super, it's been the most accurate portrayal of a complex idea in our work that I've tried to portray in a long time. That's one of my, my top, probably my top three or four images that I've ever created of my favorites. And, Cause it's I, interactive. Don't, and I don't think you realize there's a whole nother way of looking at that situation. There's a whole nother way of looking at that image from those of us that are trying to bring light to the situation that are trying to, um, get people to reach out. There's also our responsibility to reach in our responsibility to recognize those who are in the darkness and who are unseen and who are just there invisible doing mm -hmm. the work that they're doing. The other side of that is almost just, is just as powerful as yeah. that we have to look we have to see, we have yeah. to go through the steps and the process to yeah. actually choose to see the suffering. That's before they disappear face. completely, right? Before they do disappear. Because most people, when they look at it, it looks like a black screen. You can't see the guy. And the idea is that he is disappearing. He's being swallowed and he's sinking into his darkness. And, you know, once he completely sinks in there and disappears, that's suicide. That's, he takes his life. That's, so that picture and the look on his face, the emotion he has is that, you know, he's, he's moments away from disappearing into that darkness completely. And there's yeah, two ways. powerful picture. Yeah. There's two ways to look at that. Yeah. You're right. Two ways yeah. to save that situation from happening. Two ways to stop yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I really, I really want to, I want to print that and put it in my gallery, but I'm not quite sure how to, 
because you really can't turn up the brightness when you print it off and put it in the gallery, right? Unless I'll have to really make sure that it's, that there's a way that you can really have to look really, really closely, very subtle to see that what it says in this helmet. Um, or cover up or the second version. Or you have to shine a flashlight on it or, or something. Ooh. I think if you shine a flashlight, then you can see it. You can do it on acrylic paper or acrylic with silver paper. That might that might work. But um, yeah, the the uh, brightness on it's gonna have to, would have to be really accurate to make that that effect come up. But yeah, I love that picture. I'm very proud of that one. So this is the beginning potentially of a whole new fun series of playing with yeah playing with interactive the- interactive artwork. Yeah, I have to have some other ideas about that, but. We'll, we'll see. Stay tuned. Follow my Facebook and <laughs> to see. So again, if you do not know or have not seen his artwork, you absolutely need to go spend some time perusing some pieces. I'll be showing a few more pieces. I've been using a few lately on my on my page. So you may already be you may have already gotten curious and and snuck over. But if you haven't, please do that and follow his Facebook page. And do you have an Instagram also? Yes. I think it's down some photos on my Instagram. Okay, so yeah, he's easy to find. Easy to find. <laughs> yeah, if you just Google, if you just Google dance on Google D-A-N-S-U and I'll, I'll pop up all over the place there. You'll and anything else that you want to leave people with today? Yeah, just be kind, everybody. Just be nice. You know, it's... Through COVID, we're finally at the tail end of COVID and people I find are really on edge. You go to the grocery store and people are, I think you guys are a bit more open in the States than we are up here in Canada. Things are starting to open up here, but uh, people are just kind of getting used to how to properly behave in public again. Uh, so let's just give each other some leeway and just practice some some kindness that could go a long way. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Yeah, thanks, Krista. It was a lot of fun. And I can't wait to talk to you again. Yeah. We'll have to do coffee. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Well, Diet Coke. <laughs> yeah, Diet Coke. Yeah. It's my only advice. That's how I get my caffeine. All right. Have a great evening. I'm going to pop you up. And for all of you guys watching tonight or watching the replay, I just want to remind you that we have a battle to be fundraiser going on and we are working on raising the funds to purchase 100 of our remember coins for our remember plaques that go out to families of the fallen and we currently have a waiting list of five over 5,000 qualified families and we would love absolutely love to see um, that first hundred going out before the end of August. So we're currently $400 short on that. And I'm going to be posting that Facebook link in our, in our battle to be Facebook page. So if you guys are feeling inspired to help us with our journey of access, awareness, healing and change, um, please do that. Every dollar counts, every share counts. We can't do the work that we do without you. So please do that. And then also please look up Dan's son photos on Facebook. You will not be sorry. You will absolutely love what you find. So have a fantastic 
evening and never, never be afraid to reach out. I am always a message away.